1: Welcome back, Thursday, August 24th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson, 602 is the number if you'd like to weigh in, and I'd really like you to. 602 got David Dahl to my west, he is my producer, I've got Mr. Bill to my north. And um, I want to hear what your take is. I want to get a sense of what the audience, uh, y'all in the audience, thought and heard last night. Those are the two big stories the debate last night and the arraignment of Donald Trump, which will be taking place a little bit later this evening. And I do believe a few things that I'd like to share with you off the top about the debate from last night. Uh, first of all, I, um, I, you, you all talk with friends about politics and things like that, it's easy to be cynical. And it's easy to say, you know, what a clown show or what a this show or what a that show. And I I don't see it that way. I, um, I give a lot of credit to anyone who's going to submit themselves for the kind of examination from not only the media, but the kicking of the tires from the voters and their uh, fellow candidates for what is really the most important thing in the world, which is the leadership of this country. Uh, I've always taken politics uh, seriously, sometimes romantically, but always with a seriousness behind that romance. And I thought what we saw last night highlighted some interesting cleavages in ideology, and I thought it highlighted some interesting differences of character. I want to read to you something Ben Dominich wrote to give you some of my, uh, to help just put into sharp relief some of the thoughts that I would like us to discuss. I think he did a really good job at The Spectator in writing it all up. Um, The interesting thing that I feel most confident about coming away from last night are these two things. Actually, three. Sorry, these three things. One, if they're talking about you, that's a good thing. Agree or disagree with what Vivek Ramaswamy said last night. He was the most talked about person today after that debate. And I suspect, again, agree or disagree, that'll show a little bit in the polls. A little bit. I don't think a lot, but I think a little bit, which might get me to my second thing, and that's about Ron DeSantis. I don't think he did a good enough job last night to be able to be considered the runner-up in this race right now. And I think if Ramaswamy does a little better in the polls, it'll probably be at the cost of some of Ron DeSantis' support. He said nothing to disagree with, quite frankly, but he didn't do it well enough. Let me put it this way. If he were not the governor of Florida— and he did the performance he did last night, in other words, if he were not the governor of a big and substantial state and he had the performance he had last night, I think he'd be considered far on the wings of that stage last night. He would not be considered, other than by dint of his poll numbers, to have been worthy of being in the center of the stage. I just don't think he showed the passion that we're used to. And if I'm scoring on rhetoric, I have to tell you on two... Big issues, I think he whiffed, which is not what Ron DeSantis is known for doing. He's known for running into the storm and being strong. He's known for running into the tough issues and taking them down. And I believe on the abortion question and on the Ukraine question, it's still hard to say and know what he thinks, given the questions that were asked, which were pretty straightforward. I woke up this morning trying to remember a thing he said, something memorable. I could remember something memorable from all of them, except obviously from Hutchison and Burgum, about which more I'll say in a few moments. But I don't think DeSantis did good enough. Passable when you're number two, and that supposedly charismatic is simply not good enough. I believe, as my third observation, that Nikki Haley extended the life of her campaign last night. Again, agree or disagree. I think she outperformed what the expectation was. And, again, agree or disagree. As with Ramaswamy, agree or disagree. They did not swing at air balls, and they did not pitch softballs. They left no question as to where they stand, or last night where they stood. I know there's discussion about, well, they said this months ago, or they said this in a book they wrote a year ago, and that's not what they said last night. I get that. But as for dodging questions last night, or dodging challenges, they didn't. Um... Those are those are my first three observations from last night, along with the cautionary note that I just don't like this notion that these are clown shows. They're not. All of these people are in their own right, substantial people. None of them are clowns. Um, Non-clowns can act clownishly. I don't think I saw that last night. I saw a lot of rough and tumble. I saw some fun. I saw some rudeness. And it reminded me of every other debate I've ever seen. There's a question that I can't answer, and that is, does it matter? I don't know quite yet. I don't know quite yet. I think we won't be talking about it come Monday. I think we won't be talking about the debate at all come Monday. And I do think in about two weeks we'll be talking about the next debate, which is about a month from now. What I do think is that the RNC needs to do a better job and Fox needs to do a better job. About the RNC, if their criteria is going to allow for Hutchinson and Burgum on that stage, it should be a criteria that is not so tightly wound and finely knit that it keeps Larry Elder off the stage and allows them on. He is far more the substantial person, or at least I should say the substantial candidate and the substanti- far more the substantial rhetorician and thinker and debater. Um, as for Fox, I think they wanted fireworks. I think they pushed for fireworks. I think to a degree that's okay because the audience tunes in for some of that. But I think that they left a lot on the table that they could have asked that would have been good for the Republican Party, which theoretically is what these debates are about. I think they were glib and too quick on certain issues. I don't think they were in depth enough on other issues. And I think they wasted everybody's time with raise your hands and UFOs. They can do better and they should be able to do better. That all said, I'd love to hear your responses and your thoughts, and we'll have some other interesting guests on the show as well. Let us go to John in Peoria. Hello, John. How are you?
2: Hi, Seth. How are you, sir?
1: I'm fine. Thank you.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. I sent you an email, and I'm may, maybe I'm part of the admonition Uh because I got that thing. I don't know if you saw the email I sent you. Uh,
1: you I'm not it. sure. Anyway, give it oh, to okay. the, tell the audience what you want them to know.
2: Okay, here's the deal. Uh, a person that I'm really not too keen on. She did an article uh, in uh, the Daily Mail. Megan McCain. Yeah. Are you familiar? Did you
1: see that article? I don't know. What did it say? I I read so much, it's hard to keep straight sometimes. Just tell me what I need to know and tell the audience what they need to know. Yeah, here's what the deal
2: is. She said, well, she wanted to see something. She really was yearning for something because I know she's a Trump hater. Uh, She was yearning for something last night, but she, like, uh, over 100 million, maybe close to 200 million, they couldn't help but tune in to Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump because she didn't find what she wanted very quickly. I don't, it's a good article. I, I'll look for it. I, I like
1: her writing. Um, I, I, I think I agree with you on a lot of fronts. Let me take a quick break. Will you hold with me and come back with me on the other sure. side? Of, yeah, thanks. I'd appreciate it. I'm Seth Leibson, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John, you still with me there, buddy? Yes, sir. I was going to say, I, I don't think I read the McCain column yet, but I will say the Megan McCain column uh, uh, piece yet. But I will say one, th- uh, two things, about, three things about her. Um, yes, uh, her dislike, to put it no higher, of Trump is palpable. I also think she's much more conservative than her dad. She's very strong and willing to speak very articulately on behalf of things like the Second Amendment and the pro-life movement. And I, I was just going to say, I think she's worth reading generally. Generally, I usually get something out of what she writes.
2: Yeah, uh, Seth, here's the thing. You said something right towards the almost end of your monologue about Larry Elder. And you know what? That's why I didn't watch the debate last night, because okay. I think that gentleman, if he was on there, I definitely would have watched the debate, huh. because I think he got royally... Uh, You know why. I do, I do. It's
1: actually a really valid point. Thank you, John. It's a very valid point that if viewers are what they wanted, boy, they should have had, uh, they would have had more viewers with Elder and maybe less with, uh, as they would have, uh, they would have had more views with Elder than they probably got with the combined viewership of Hutchison and Burgum. All right, where am I going to next? Uh, Tom in Dallas. Hi, Tom.
3: Hey, Seth, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing well. Hey, I want to talk about something uh, that doesn't have anything to do with the uh, debate, sure. but um, is a, is, I've always thought about this. Yes, sir. Uh, the idea of presidential pardon. Yeah. If you were Trump in 2016, would you have pardoned Hillary Clinton?
1: I would have, and I'll tell you why. Yes. I would have because it would have made her owe me. It would have been an own. Exactly. It would have and been an. I mean, it wouldn't have made her owe him, but it would have been an own to her. You know, it would have been a shaming of her that she had to live with a pardon irrelevant. from Donald Trump. I thought it would have been a smart political move,
3: and that's Biden should have pardoned.
1: Yep. Trump. I have no idea why he won't do it. It would be such an own. I agree. It would
3: It would, be, well, it would end his political career. Well, and, I don't know if
1: it would be that, but it would be an own. It would be a victory of for. And
3: if Trump, if long. Trump wins in twenty twenty four, he should. Pardon uh, Hunter Biden, yeah
1: I agree, Biden. I totally agree okay. it would be an own uh, we're on the same I think I think that would make politics beautiful
3: it would it would
4: we're on the same exact page
1: around. I'll, I'll, I'll get said. some heat for that, but it's okay, I'll send it your uh, way me too. yeah <laughs> you. you and Dallas can afford to take some of our Phoenix heat I'm thinking anyway, Anne is in Chandler hi Anne
5: yes, um I didn't think it was a clown show at all. I don't get why good. people say that. Good, good. <laughs> and uh, I agree about Larry Elder. I sent like one dollar in good. to you know help him, yeah. and I was really uh, disappointed that they didn't let him on. Yeah. Um, I thought the the uh, debate was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, every per- everyone had something positive to say and had a good idea. Um, and I thought, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, he is unafraid. Yep. And I like that.
1: Yep. And he probably, I'll say this for him, I mean, there are some things he said I just don't agree with or like, but, you know, it's a big country and that's what politics is all about. But I will say, I think, as debate uh, str- uh, debate. Uh, scoring goes. I think he had the strongest close of any of them. I think his closing was extremely strong.
5: Yes, and I think there were topics that were avoided or not talked about. Uh, It's my understanding that yesterday was an anniversary of the Afghanistan debacle. There wasn't one question or comment about what the uh, people thought about that and what, you know, anything about that.
1: Yeah, I think... Yeah. No, you're right. There were a lot of things that weren't asked. And I think there were a lot of things that were asked that they moved too quickly on. I'm going to run by and some of and I appreciate your call and feedback. I'm going to run by uh, with some others. And any of you always can weigh in on this as well. You know, the economy, they kind of opened up on it with the uh, with the with the song uh, rich men north of Richmond. But. You know, if you're a Republican party trying to attract people with bread and butter issues as they call them, the kinds of things they wrestle with every day. Um it was a little it, it was a little light on that, I got to say. I don't think there was a lot there. Here's an example. Name me one tax plan you heard from one of the guys or gals last night. Here's that's a really good example, I think. I don't think I don't think not one, I don't think a single one of them had a uh, had a had a question on or the opportunity to or the initiative to speak about their tax plan. They all railed against spending, uh, rightfully so. But I don't think they forwarded or promulgated a spending plan or a cut cutting of spending plan um, and how they were going to fight inflation. I don't think we heard enough from them about understanding. You know, the person who. paycheck goes to Thursday and bills continue on to Friday. I don't – that's something that this party should own outright, especially given the times. I just don't think there was enough of that. Uh, Let me go to uh, Jake in uh, Gilbert. Hi, Jake.
3: Hello, Seth. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. I'm doing well. Good. So I have – Two comments, but if I only get the one, that's fine. Okay. Uh, my first one is a criticism of Fox, kind of like you were referring to. When they asked the question on the climate, and they had the young person ask that question, my stomach turned. I couldn't help but think, which party is this debate for?
1: That's <laughs> not. That's not why my stomach turned. But 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 my stomach turned. I I will accept that. I will accept your perspective. But knowing the Young Americans for Freedom, from which that young man. Represented this was the this was the organization that was formed at William Buckley's house in Sharon, Connecticut, in 1960. The idea that you have college students from YAF who are concerned about that and want that question to be propounded to the Republicans at debate turned my stomach.
3: That was that was my concern as well, and and then some of the candidates' responses weren't very. It kind of. Twisted me the wrong way too. They were talking about how important it was to reduce our carbon footprint. I was aghast. Like I thought, as Republicans, we understood that just like there was with COVID, there's hysterics ramped up on this issue that are there to scare us so that tyrants can grab more power. I thought that was a solid Republican. I don't know uh, if it's as solid as
1: you think. I think there are variations on the theme, Jake. Just based on what I've listened to over the years. And I think where you will find consensus, agree or disagree, I think where you'll find a lot of Republicans finding consensus on this issue is that there is climate change. It's not to be made an alarmist issue. The human contribution to it is questionable, and the environment are negligible for America to overturn its economy in an effort to attempt to save it. That's where I think the consensus and thinking generally is. Does that come close to where you are? It, you, it may not. It might be too soft for you.
3: No, you know, I think that's pretty close. Okay. But I did think Vivek Ramaswamy's answer to it was a breath of fresh air.
1: I understand was, that. Yeah, he took the hardest swing at it, you bet. He took bet. the hardest swing. Yep. And it, it uh, yeah, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a guest on just because I had scheduled him previously. If you want to hold, you're welcome to, as others on the lines, uh, my lines are, you're all welcome to hold. I just wanted to give credit to an issue that is what we call one of our durables, uh, the chronic homeless. It's going to be a short uh, interview with a very, very good state legislator here in town named Matt Grace, who's done something that I think you'll all find very helpful to the cause and something you have called in because you've cared very much about it. So bear with me. If you're on hold, you're welcome to stay. Jake, if you have more, you're welcome to stay as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a privilege to welcome to the show State Representative Matthew Gress. Matt Gress is uh, not only a freshman representative in our State House of Representatives. He happens to represent the area in which we broadcast from. He is my representative, and it's a delight to help him on. He's making all kinds of news as a uh, first-termer and doing great work, and he did a big and helpful thing um, that we want to talk to you about with regard to an issue a lot of you have called in to this show about. First of all, Matt, welcome. Can I call you Matt?
6: You can definitely call me Matt, and it's a pleasure to be here, Seth. You betcha.
1: Um, Representative Gress, that's more appropriate. I worry about your health. I (laughs) used to see you running around the neighborhood a lot uh, jogging. I haven't seen you. Has the summer been getting you down a little bit there, sir? (laughs)
6: You know, I, I run hot, so <laughs> when the temperatures are up, it's uh... a <laughs> It's a vlog, so I go indoors. Okay.
1: Well, I've been carrying the LD4 banner. When it cools off, I'll look forward to carrying it again with you on the, uh, on the uh, Murphy Trail there, sir. Um, you, uh, you, among other things, are the chairman of the Joint Legislative Audit Committee at the uh, state legislature. But you had this huge victory or helped uh, usher in and marshal in this huge victory in the fight against the Scottsdale taxpayer funding of the homeless hotel plan. You want to say something about it, sir?
6: Sure. Back in uh, June, the Scottsdale City Council approved uh, a grant from the state to pay for hotel rooms at a Scottsdale hotel to house uh, people experiencing homelessness. Uh, and then specifically, they were setting aside rooms for people living in the zone uh, and uh, people who were foreign nationals who would have otherwise been deported under Title 42. Not much public input or participation. Uh, that went on uh, prior to adoption of this new grant program that had some significant changes and uh, we wanted to uh, highlight it and ask questions of the city to figure out how this program's working and I think we got some some good answers and we've got resolution from the Department of Housing last uh, or earlier this week when they said that um, they're going to change course so uh, we've been following this very closely, and there's more to come. You've
1: been a great ally on this issue of chronic homelessness, the zone. Uh, we were part and parcel of a bunch of stakeholders that were trying to do something about it, and there was some litigation that went forward that was very positive. Uh, are you seeing positive movement as a result of all that? Are we going to be seeing a, a a happier, healthier, safer, uh, more humane Phoenix soon, do you think?
6: I absolutely think that. And there was a recent poll that came out at the end of July for Arizonans, and the vast majority of them believe that homelessness is a problem in this state. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that, mm-hmm. uh, and around the country. But what they also uh, revealed in this polling is they believe it's a treatment issue, yeah. not a housing issue. Yeah. And we have to have a treatment-first approach uh, to managing the homelessness situation, not a housing-first approach that hasn't worked, especially in some of these larger cities. And so, you know, we've appropriated $60 million to address the homelessness problem. Um, I think that, you know, projects like this are misguided. I think we really need to be focusing on our treatment infrastructure.
1: I agree with you 100% on that very proposition. In fact, even calling it homeless may be part of the problem. I don't know if we can get past the linguistics of it, but you call it homeless. It makes people think that the problem is there's no home. That's not the problem with this population. It is a problem for other populations. It's not the population sure. we're talking about, right?
6: You're, you're correct. I mean, there are instances where perhaps a senior citizen sure. um, can't afford to pay the rent, sure. or uh, a young person you know, is couch-surfing, those, there are some families who are fleeing domestic abuse. Yep. There are instances of those those types of homelessness. But what is really plaguing the city in terms of figuring out a solution and where public policy has failed so far has been around the chronic homelessness yep. and the situation where people are resisting treatment right. for a variety of reasons, mental yep. health or drugs. Yeah.
1: And and, and and another solution is outside of just, you know, uh, focusing on uh, the affordable housing issue, it's its own issue, is, you know, shuffling them around. Taking one problem from Phoenix and dumping it in a taxpayer-funded hotel in Scottsdale is just shuffling around the problem. It's not solving it, and it's asking other people to pay for it who, by the way, other communities to pay for it that may have better policies in the first place. They may not be part of the You're problem, right. but we're giving them the problem, you know?
6: Well, you can't just shuffle people right. around. There has that's to be right. a real solution. And that's why I'm having this subcommittee hearing on September 13th in Scottsdale, Good. where we're going to examine uh, not only the failures of converting hotel rooms to uh, homeless shelters, but figuring out where we go from here when it comes to homelessness Good. and how do we put together uh, a policy that's evidence-based and that works and that protects everyone. Good. So we'll be uh, having that hearing and and really finding out answers.
1: Well, that that's September thirteenth
6: thereabouts. That's September thirteenth at four p.m. and we'll be at the Civic Center Library. Good. Do me a favor, or I'll do, you,
1: or I'll, uh, or I'll, or I'll bug you about this. But maybe a day or two before that, let's get you on for a longer segment to talk about that and promote that so that uh, people are aware of it. Us And that uh, we don't we don't let up the gas on this issue, Uh, because I think along with representatives like you and some of our other uh, uh, communities of concern here and some of the people that have been involved in rolling up their sleeves, we've really got this issue a little bit on the run in the right way. And I don't want to let up. It's the least it's the least good ideas to let up when we're winning on it. You know,
6: you're absolutely right. And your leadership, especially in these conversations, bringing the humanity to it, it's a human tragedy Misery—it's unacceptable um, as human beings, and we have to keep the momentum going forward for solutions, wow. not ignoring this problem. You're a great
1: ally and a great leader and a great representative. Have, proud to call you mine, Matt Gress. This was a short segment. We'll do a longer one when we get closer. Anytime uh, something of interest on any of these issues comes up, you know, uh, you know where I am, and uh, I know where you are. So thank you for your time this afternoon and your leadership on, and help on this issue, sir. Thank you, Seth. You betcha. Uh, folks, uh, Matt Gress, G-R-E-S-S. We often spell names here. When your name is Leibson, you've got to spell Gress, right? <laughs> These aren't self-evident all the time. Matt Gress, G-R-E-S-S. He represents Legislative District 4 in our house. And I, uh, I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Thank you for allowing me that great update from uh, Representative Gress. As we're talking about last night's debate, uh, anything on your mind with regard to it. Love to hear from you. And I believe we uh, had a little bit of a uh, interruption with um, Jake and Gilbert. Uh, Jake, thanks for your patience, sir. Thank you. Um,
3: so the other comment I had was I agree with your analysis on Governor DeSantis. I thought he did just fine, but nothing that'll move right? the needle.
1: Yeah, you needed to be better than fine when you're where he's at, I think.
3: Right. But there was one moment where I did find myself getting a little emotional. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm odd, but it's when he was talking about how he fought against COVID policies. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like COVID really put in sharp relief how our country is in deep, deep trouble. I
1: think you're right. And,
3: and I don't know history as well as you do, but I think it was the biggest grip tightening of wannabe tyrants our country has ever seen.
1: I can't think of another yeah. one. I mean, you know, for the at least general population, one might think of course of things like slavery for the African-American population or the Japanese internment, but for the entire population at this modern moment in our history, I think it was probably uh, the worst act of federal, state and civil government at every level and, frankly, cultural as well i think it pointed to something toxic in our society and far more toxic than the coronavirus disease virus i have to tell you yes what we did to ourselves then was awful we're still living through the downwash of it and we're not going to be out of it for a very long time even if not a single other instance of it is done of which people are trying to do again i mean we 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 ran this country through a meat grinder on this, a charnel house. And it's um, it's going to take a long time to dig out of, a long time.
3: I agree. And, and Governor DeSantis was the de facto leader of the movement against that madness.
1: He was. Uh-huh. Uh, it was him. And, uh, and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, we, Bill Bennett and I, did a op-ed piece praising him early on, Irony of ironies, uh, let's see, I'm pulling it up now, April twenty sixth, 2020, so pretty early on even, he was making his mark. Uh, coronavirus response, compare Florida with New York and look at the results so far. It was so popular, I was getting calls from the White House saying they were they were sending that article around and around because they liked what Florida was doing. Things change, you know, politics changes. But yeah, DeSantis was the tip of the spear there. He was the contrast right. to nonsense, you bet.
3: And some say it's old news or everybody's tired of hearing about it. To me, it's still raw just because of how profoundly insane that I'm period with you. was.
1: It's, it's raw because it's not over. We're still dealing with the consequences of it. The people who were wrong will not take any accountability for it. There is a an accounting that needs to be had. And there's a bunch of social services that we will never be able to pay enough money into or for to deal with the fallout from it. Uh, You can look at education. You can look at children's mental health. You can look at adult mental health. You can look at the depression. You can look at lost time. You can look at the alcoholism. You can look at the the, the lost family gatherings. You can look at the losses that will never be able to be recovered, which is the dying who could not be visited by family and friends. You can look at the cancer diagnoses and treatments that were put off. I mean, I could do an hour on the problems we are still living with from that. Raw? You bet it's raw. Right.
3: And maybe uh, to help the Sandus out, tapping into that some more That's when I felt emotion last night
1: from him. It's interesting what the emotional point was. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. It's not something that occurred to me, Jake. The import of was there an emotion moment for someone last night? Did someone give you an emotional moment? Um, And I'm going to have to think on that one. I don't know if, I I don't think that one was it for me. I can see how it would be for anyone, including you. Um, If there was one. Maybe it wasn't done perfectly well, but it had, it had to do with when Nikki Haley spoke of dropping her husband off for deployment. That, I thought that that was an interesting uh, letting down of the guard. And I thought it was an emotional moment to know that, you know, we still have families that need to do this and we still have families that step up to do this, you know? Right. Definitely. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. You betcha. All right. Where am I going to next? Our good buddy Rob. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. How are you?
4: Hi, Seth. You know, great minds again thinking alike. That was the emotional moment for me when Nikki Haley talked about, and that was her clothes, I think, uh, talking about her husband packing the bag. It you was, an am- it was for, a. It was. It was. It was. A it was a really
1: good moment in that tough night.
4: Yeah, and and I think uh, she did. I think. Better than expected. Yep. I really like I like Tim Scott, um, and nobody seems to be talking about him. I, I mean, thought he, he very, fell asleep,
1: honest to God. I no, thought he. I just you know, thought he wasn't happy to be there. He's a happy man. I, he's a polite man, but he didn't seem like he wanted to be there. I got to tell you.
4: Well, it, it almost seemed like they didn't want to cover him. And again, yeah. yeah, and that's that's a, a Fox fault. Yeah. Um, speaking of a Fox fault, afterwards. They had Reince Priebus on. Where was Ron and McDaniel? Where was Ron and McDaniel? They had him
1: on with, uh, did they, didn't they have him on with Kellyanne or something like that?
4: Kellyanne Conway, yeah. 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 And yeah. so, I mean, I what, what are they thinking? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh,
1: yeah, Fox um, has a few questions to answer, don't they?
4: Yeah, and again, like most of the people said, I think um, Ron DeSantis did fine. I think he did better than fine, and I think he did show emotion, especially when it came to, Taking the fight to the cartel, and I think that's what you got to do. And uh, yes, I've seen Sicario and and uh, I've seen yeah. um, uh, Clear and Present Danger and all that. Yeah. But you know, there's uh, there's something to be said. Uh, I think mutual cooperation uh, would be necessary. Mike um, Pence pen kind of struck me as as Mike Pence. I yeah. mean, he, he said the right things, but he, he wasn't very emotional.
1: But he was scrappier than I thought. He was a little scrapper than we're used to seeing. We'll be right back. That's a song everyone should wake up to every morning. You can't have a bad day waking up to that song. Right, young David? You agree with me on that? I love that song. Yeah, it's great. You've been uh, hearing me talk about Why Refi a lot, and uh, they've been getting a lot of phone calls from this audience, uh, from you. And we thank you. They thank you for supporting an investment that actually helps people. And uh, with the buzz about Y-Refi, let's go over the basics just one more time this hour, if I might. It is totally true. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi. And the investment is in a portfolio that's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like and there are absolutely no fees, and there's no problem if you want your principal back if you need it at any time. You'll get your monthly statement. You'll never get any surprises. And if you're not sure you trust this economy, this secure collateralized portfolio may be a good option for you. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888 y refi four. that's 888 Refi 24 If you're looking for a solid investment that helps people, contact my friends at YREFI and tell them we sent you. David, do we have a pin today? We had Americanism yesterday. What's our pin today? Good memory.
4: Yeah, I have A Better Way with McKay.
1: A Better Way with McKay. Yeah, you're into stumping me mode these days.
6: I, I like to do that.
1: Yeah, I know you do. What is it?
6: Can you see it from far away? No. It's a little I picture can't. of Robert Redford. I can't. Oh, from the
1: movie, uh, The Candidate. Candidate. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I think it was
4: his birthday last week or something. Was it? Yeah, just a few days ago. So I'm putting Did you like on. that movie? Yeah, I thought it was decent.
1: Did you ever see The Tempting of the Alan Alda one that was like that? Bob Dynan? Tynan? No, I don't know what
2: you're talking something. about. It's
1: a very similar movie from a very similar moment. Uh, in time, I think the tempting of Senator Bob Tynan, something like hmm. that. Some caller will know it. Um, we have Sam Stone coming in. He'll be taking calls. And All right, uh, we also need to deal with um, the category of why we can't have nice things. Oh, gosh. When we look at the accoutrements that have been put into the bathroom oh. and absconded with. They have? Yeah, there, there's been theft. Not retail. The call came from within the house. Remind me to make an issue of this. <laughs> okay. We'll be right back.
0: Yeah. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. <laughs>